to Victory Alabang Podcast. We hope this message encourages and inspires you today. Alright, hello Victory family. Well, welcome to church. Can we just give the Lord another hand this morning? How are you guys doing? Welcome to the auditorium. For those of you who are watching, uh, we'd like to welcome you from your own homes. Thank you for joining us in our service. And, um, you know, we... We feel you guys, wherever you are, you may be in the dining room, uh, still in your, in your bed. Uh, at least uh, you probably have uh, brushed your teeth and uh, taken your coffee. Welcome. Welcome to church. And um, we are now concluding our series on uh, Add to Heart. And But before we do that, you know, today happens to be the last Sunday of November. How many of you are feeling that Christmas is here already? Actually, ever since September, Pano. Uh, and uh, last Sunday of November, by next week, uh, it's already this December. December 1 is actually Tuesday, and uh, we're all feeling it. Can you imagine that? 2020 is almost over. And um, how many of you are still able to thank God for 2020? How many of you can still find something to thank God for in 2020? Can we just give a lot another hand for that? You know, I know that 2020 has been difficult for us. Uh, so many things to look back to, you know, so many things that have been a downturn, maybe in the economy, uh, maybe health-wise, it was not been the perfect uh, things. But yet, you look back and, you know, God has actually did a reset in our lives. And He, you know, somehow had made things smaller for us in our family unit. We have more time spent. Uh, in, and, you know, if you look back at 2020, this has been the most odd year ever. Uh, like in my own life, you know, in the 52 years that I'm existing here, no year was like this year, 2020. But yet, we know that God is faithful. And God is still worthy of our praise and honor and gratitude. And one of the things that we want to thank God for are our leaders and our volunteers in church. Uh, you know, we, we know that we just came back in our um, worship services on site but you've been doing a lot of online services, you know, ever since we had the lockdown. But yet, we value the, the help of every uh, Victory Group leader, every volunteer that we have. And I know that not every volunteer has been able to serve physically this, coming, uh, this year, 2020. Uh, like the ushers, for example, uh, you know, you're, you're probably stuck at home. Uh, and we have a few ushers here. Uh, worship team, you know, we have about, I think, 300 uh, people uh, who are members of the worship team. And uh, prayer, you can actually pray anywhere you are. And so I think that's an ongoing ministry. And all the others, the tech team and also um, I think the production design. But yet, we do want to just thank you and end this year with a celebration and how God has been faithful to us. And so we want to collectively show our gratitude to all of you. Uh, if you are a leader, thank you so much. And we have a, uh, an event this coming December 6th. Uh, that's called uh, SSP, okay? Sama samang pasasalamat, okay? If you are just uh, sitting beside the person beside you, sabi sa kanya, salamat. Thank you so much. Sabi sa kanya, just say thank you, okay? I know that you are muffled right now, okay? So I know that you're probably hearing that from the from the uh, face mask, but yet on December, oh, sorry, December 5, six days from now at 9 a.m., uh, we're going to go live via Facebook and Zoom. And this is a collaboration with all our Victory Metro Manila churches. And so it's going to be fun. There's going to be a lot of things that are, are in store for you. 
And locally, we're going to have something uh, from uh, the pastors and staff. And so we do hope that if you are a leader or a volunteer, please go ahead and uh, mark the date, save the date, December 5, 9 o'clock in the morning. And we hope to see you there, okay? So for our preaching this day, uh, we are finishing up the last installment of our three-part series on giving as a part of worship unto God. And so if you have your Bibles with you, I'd like to invite you to open your Bibles to Mark chapter 12. Okay, Mark chapter 12. Uh, go ahead and open your Bibles to Mark chapter 12. We're reading from the ESV version. If you are reading from your digital device, it's fine. Uh, if you have a regular Bible like me, that's also good, okay? And so if you are in your own homes, go ahead and open it to Mark chapter 12. And like to invite everybody who's here in the auditorium to please stand with me as we give reverence to the Word of God, okay? Make sure that you are putting up a big smile behind those masks, okay? How many of you are excited for our you know, preaching this morning? You know, as we end this preaching, uh, I, I believe that God will speak to all of us. Mark chapter 12. Beginning in verse, uh, instead of verse 41, we're, go back, we're going back to verse 38. Okay, Mark chapter 12, verse 38 until verse 44. And in his teaching, he said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts who devour widows' houses, and for a pretense, make long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. In verse 41, it says, And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box, for they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. This is the word of the Lord. So bow ahead and pray right now. Father, thank you so much for the preaching of your word. We are grateful for the fact that you are a God who provides for us. And Lord, we acknowledge that everything is owned by you. I thank you, Lord God, that your word is living and active, is sharper than any double-edged sword. I pray that you would speak to us. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you would open up our eyes to see what you see every time we come to you in worship, even in this area of giving. Bless the preaching of your word and encourage everyone today watching the, the Facebook and also who are here in the auditorium, we thank you, Father God. May your name be honored today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You may all be seated. All right, just to give us a background of our text this morning, you know, uh, in our text, we find two characters that Jesus was referring to and contrasting. First is we find the, the religious people. There's what you, there are what you call the scribes, okay? And then this particular character who is the poor widow. Now, for some context and for some timeline, this is also known as the Passion Week. This is the time when Jesus just entered uh, Jerusalem. And, you know, you're familiar with Palm Sunday, right? And, uh, you know, he entered Jerusalem with a donkey. You know, if you want to ride, go ride a white donkey or whatever. And so he was there and he was being celebrated by the people. He went 
and he, he went to the temple, and this is the last visit of Jesus in the temple. And there were some debates. They were asking him about, you know, who should we pay taxes to? Uh, and he asked them, who's the greatest of all? You know, they talked about, you know, what's the greatest commandment? And then there was somehow a bright light in the middle of that week. And this is where we see Jesus finding pleasure in the person of a widow. He was actually on his way to the cross. But before he was resurrected that day on a Friday, there was somehow a bright light. He was encouraged. There was somehow a seemingly, you know, a, a, a joy that was, you know, in his heart when he saw the, the action of this poor widow. And so we want to be able to look at this and examine. And Jesus called out the religious people, the scribes in their abuses. They used their position to pray on the helpless widow. We just read that. It says here that the scribes somehow make a long you know, uh, you know, pretense and they flaunt their self-righteousness and they devour widows' houses. And for him to be able to use that analogy, he was talking about them using their power and authority to abuse the helpless, to abuse the marginalized, to abuse those who cannot help themselves. And he pointed to their spiritual pride and their rituals and practices are just a way of showing off their self-righteousness. Then Jesus immediately follows this by referring to this widow and that his heart is for the widows. In fact, in Jeremiah chapter 49, verse 11, it talks about God's heart for the orphans and the widows. And he said in verse 11, Leave your fatherless children. I will keep them alive and let your widows trust in me. You know, God's plan for the widow is to take care of them and to provide for them. You know, the widow in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, you know, the early church, there's a different classification for widows because they are those that did just lose their husband, but they have no way to support themselves. I know nowadays that there are women who are empowered and there are women who are single parents, but, you know, I, I also have friends who happens to be, you know, who happen to be very successful in, the, in their business, you know, in, in the way they are able to support their family. But in, back in those days, when you're considered a widow, it seems like everything, all the fortunes have turned against you. And so that's why the reason why God has a special uh, command for the people of Israel, particularly the church, to take care of orphans and widows. In fact, in Psalm 68, it says, you know, a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows. He is a God who is for them. So these are not just the people who lost their husbands, but they are those who have no families to take care of them. Either they have been abandoned, or maybe something tragic happened to them later on, and they cannot help themselves. So here's the scene. We've just read this earlier in the Bible. And so Jesus was in the temple. And he was in the place where it is called the beautiful gate. This is the treasury part of the temple. And this is where the court of the women are located. You know, this is not just exclusively for women. I'm not really sure why they called it court of women. Though there are some men who also pass through there. Because that's where the uh, offering boxes are located. And that's where the donations are actually being received. 
And so he sits beside this place and he started watching the people. You know, how many of you uh, have probably gone to the mall and you're waiting for your family, your spouse, you're in a coffee shop and you started looking and watching, you know, for people. I'm not really sure if that's a, a hobby that you have, you know, but sometimes if I am waiting for something, I tend to not just uh, look at my phone, but I tend to watch people. You know, I I look at them. I, you know, somehow if you go to the malls right now, it's Christmas time. It seems that people are not as happy as before, okay? Uh, they're not as smiling as before. And so you watch them, you observe them. And so Jesus was there and he was actually sitting beside the offering boxes. And in that particular place, the temple, there are about 13 offering or it's called a trumpet-shaped box wherein people are actually giving their donations or their offerings in the temple. And so every time they would actually visit this trumpet box, they would actually just drop off whatever they have. Now, mind you, in those days, there were no checks, no bills, mostly coins minted from the Greco-Roman Empire. And so they have different kinds of currencies, different kinds of coins. And the bigger the offering that you have, the bigger the coin and the louder noise it makes. And so they would make out noise and they call out people who'd actually make the noise. And so, uh, you know, in the entrance where you find, I think it's in the picture there, you find a trumpet-shaped offering box. It's designed for that so that it's easy for you to drop your offering. You know, there's no such thing as offering envelopes in those days where you can actually conceal, you know, you can actually just write your offering secretly. In those days, everybody is aware, more or less, of how much you give. People can see your donations in the temple, and there are about 13 different boxes. You know, about five of those are for specific purposes. There's the, you know, there's guilt offerings, sin offerings, peace offerings. But yet about five or six of those are what you call free will offerings. These are voluntary offerings for the people because in some of the boxes, there's like a minimum thing, a minimum amount that you have to put in. And so those are like for the rich people. You know, that's like the the line for the rich. But this is, you know, in the free will offering, there's no such cap or minimum amount. So anyone can actually go there. And so Jesus was pointing out that in this particular time, many people were giving their donations in the temple. Now, I actually asked help from our staff uh, earlier. Now, this is actually our tithe box. You're familiar with this, right? Uh, I know that nowadays we are using uh, different digital offerings. Uh, either you use your debit card, credit cards. We recently added PayMaya as, as one of our um, service for you to be able for you to, to give your offerings to the Lord. And so in the confines of your own home, you can actually give wherever you are. But in those days, they don't have such digital things. They used to have offering boxes, the trumpet shape. And so this is a sample, not really, I didn't have the time to ask them to create a trumpet shaped box. But just so that you would feel that in that particular temple, Imagine thousands of people lining up. That's the time of the Passover. And many people are going to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. And they're giving their offerings or giving their donations to the Lord. And so you can imagine with me for a moment. Imagine that this is a trumpet shape 
uh, offering box. And if you are a rich person, you will actually give a lot of coins. Now, you don't have cash or bills. You don't have checks. You put coins. And imagine with me for a moment the amount of noise that the coins will make when you drop the offering. This is more or less a similar or familiar noise that they hear all throughout that part of the temple. So you can imagine 13 trumpet-shaped boxes that are shaped like this. And you know, every time people are giving their offerings, it will make such noise. This is what you call make a joyful noise. Yeah. And so some rich people are actually flaunting the way they give. They would actually go ahead and they, they don't just give discreetly. They cast it. They actually make an even greater noise. The greater or the bigger the offering you have, the bigger the noise that you make. And then comes this poor widow. The Bible says that she didn't have much. And they were actually just, you know, as Jesus was watching the large amounts of money, it's interesting that he didn't commend them for what they're giving. But yet what he noticed was this poor widow. The people would notice the big donors. And they would probably say, oh, this one is actually a rich guy and just listen to his offering. They would actually say that. Loud noise means big donation for the temple and it's for the upkeep of the temple and the rich are literally just throwing it there. But then this poor widow throws this two copper coins. Now, I don't have the copper coin. It's actually a yen, okay? Uh, if you're familiar with the Japanese yen, one yen is actually about, what, 50 centavos? Uh, equivalent pesos. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's called lepta. It's equivalent to one over 64th uh, of a daily wage. So if you compute it in today's daily wage of 590, it's about 9 pesos converted in today's wage. But the Bible says that two copper coins, which is equivalent to a penny, so that's about 50 centavos. And you can imagine that when she gave her offering in the offering box, it was very discreet. She didn't make a joyful noise. She dropped her offering. Almost was unnoticeable. Nobody probably heard the sound of the two copper coins as they actually went inside the trumpet-shaped boxes. What's interesting is Jesus noticed. Jesus saw not the two copper coins. She saw the heart and the life of that poor widow. And so this is what he said to the disciples. He commended that widow for giving more than what the others have given. And can you imagine, if you are an accountant, it doesn't make sense. If you are a priest in the temple, it doesn't make sense. Of course, the others gave more than the widow. Of course, the other gave more. They made a lot of noise. But yet Jesus said they gave out of their abundance. But this widow, out of her poverty, gave everything she had to live on. Three observations that I want to share for us today. First, giving is a litmus test of our spirituality. 
and maturity. It's a litmus. It's a litmus test. You know, somehow when you give, it's a test. And you know, we are so far. How many of you are familiar with tests? You know, students. If you are a student at home, you're familiar with tests. You probably don't like it so much, right? Uh, but we are familiar with tests. We're familiar with, you know, uh, tests like in board exams. We're familiar with, uh, you know, school tests. Annual physical exam is actually happening right now. Uh, in most companies, they have what you call the APE or annual physical exam, and they test your health. You go through a different battery of uh, tests. And so they say that you have to do a fasting blood sugar and they have to take your blood, and they actually measure your cholesterol. You, hopefully that your cholesterol is not a top-notcher for that year. Uh, they measure your triglycerides. They measure your uric acid, and so on and so forth. And I hope that I, if I, I, when I go next week, we're, we're due for exams, that I get to pass also, not in the red, but somehow within the range. You know, this is actually a test or an indicator of the health of each employee. How many of you know that giving is also a test of the heart? It's a heart test. You know, some of you may actually have a watch that measures your uh, heart rate, you know, whether it's a Fitbit or maybe an Apple watch. And, you know, for example, if you exercise, if you do a lot of walking, so they, the, the, the particular device measures your heart rate. It measures your heart rate, but it doesn't really measure the condition of your heart. It only shows you somehow uh, that you are actually going beyond your, you know, uh, uh, heart rate that's acceptable for that particular day and for that, you know, for the age that you have. But yet we know that God is not only aware of the pace of our heart; He is aware of everything about us. Not just the indicator, but all the data there is, our values our beliefs, our faith, our ethics, God sees. And giving, when you talk about giving, is a reflection of our heart. Somehow, when we give, it only gives us a pattern or an indicator. Check your pattern of giving. Are you spiritually well? That's my question for us this morning. Are we well with the Lord? Have you ever been in the place where you can actually have put your trust in God regularly for His supply. Charles Spurgeon said this, Most Christians will give out of abundance and will go away with a fleeting feeling of doing God service, but only those who know real joy, who give so hard, it pinches them deeply. Give until it hurts, what he's saying. You know, when you give, there's a pinch somehow that happens because you let go. How many of you know that, you know, it is not so easy to give sometimes? Can you please raise your hand if you share the same sentiment that I have? You know, when I got saved, this is probably one of the things that got to deal with me because I'm not a natural giver. I'm not generous. But yet, as I was discipled and as I was renewed and the Holy Spirit has spoken to me, you know, God has slowly allowed me to open up my arms, I mean my, my hands, and give and share and be generous for the work of the kingdom. And, you know, these are the things that we have been teaching our children. And how many of you know that many times our children are the, not the most generous people on the planet? 
especially if they have, you know, if you have, you know, same gender, maybe two daughters, two boys, maybe, and they're sharing the same toy, don't ever make the mistake of them allowing them to share the same toy. They're going to fight over that. But then it's also an opportunity for us to be able to raise them, how to be generous. You know, as a parent, I thought that God entrusted children to us, me and Shirley, so that we can raise them up. I didn't realize that God uses also our children to raise us up, to disciple us, to teach us self-sacrifice, to teach us generosity, to teach us that it is actually better to give than to receive. You know, you have your favorite part of KFC chicken in your plate, and when your child wants it, you have no option but it's yours. Give until it hurts. God does not need anything from us. He's not impressed with how much our gift is, but He's rather impressed when that gift hurts us when we give it. When there's a sense of abandonment and trust, God is pleased. And God was looking for a heart, just like the widows. The people in this day were giving large amounts and were trying to undo one another by giving an impression that they are big givers, but God was really impressed with just one person in the temple that day. He noticed the generosity of that poor widow. My question for us today is, is your giving noticed by God? Is there no strings attached when we give to the Lord? Or do we use that as a formula maybe? Well, Lord, I'm expecting something in return. Somehow when we give, we actually have an abandonment and say, Lord, this is yours. I put it in your hands. And I trust you. Secondly, giving is about kingdom priorities. Not only is it a hard test, but it's also about kingdom priorities. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, it says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures. Everyone say treasures. Treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, nor thieves break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know where your treasure is? It's a very true statement from the Lord. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What you value the most, that's what you prioritize. If your treasure is your family, guess what? Your heart will be for your family. If your treasure is, like for example, your hobby, your heart will be for that particular hobby. You notice that you have a lot more investment in your bike, you have a lot more investment in this particular hobby because, you know, your heart is there. But if your heart is for the kingdom, then your treasure is actually going to be seen in the kingdom. And the widow was so committed to God that he was willing to let go of everything until nothing is left. She wanted to do something, anything, just so that she can be part of what God is doing. So she gave it all. An abandonment. She didn't give her tithe. 
she gave her trust. Ultimately, when she was giving the last two money or coins that she has, she was letting go of everything. She didn't, I don't know, there's no story that succeeded after that. We don't know what happened to the widow. That was probably the last money that she had to buy dinner. She didn't have dinner that night, but yet she knew for a fact, I can trust the Lord to provide for me. We don't know what happened to the widow. But we do know that 2,000 years later, we're still talking about her story in the Bible and how God has been pleased with her sacrifice. My question for us today is how abandoned are we in our faith in God? Can we really say that we trust God? And what is the proof of our trust in God? You know, when you say you trust God, you know, talk is cheap, but actions really is louder than words. The widow didn't say anything about her trusting in the Lord. She just did it. She gave everything she had. I realize it seems easier to give all you have when you have a little than to give a little when you have a lot. And somehow there's a different lens that the widow had. My question for us is, are we so passionate about the kingdom that we will put it as a priority and give our first fruits and live on what is left? You know, what usually happens is we pay first the bills, we buy what we want, and we give God what's left. Let's give the Lord our best. Amen. Let's give the Lord our first fruits. Let's give the Lord, just like Abel, she, he gave the Lord the firstborn. And if we, you know, I believe that if we act just like the widow, and we believe that, you know, as we put the kingdom of God first and His righteousness, all these things will be given to us as well. I received a personal message yesterday from IG, and I asked for permission if I can share this story. And, uh, you know, this family basically had a hard 2020. The husband said, you know, Pastor, I just want to share my testimony because, you know, at the beginning of this year, we, you know, we, I had a turn in my job. And because of the transfer to a department, you know, my income went down. My wife also uh, didn't have a job. And so we decided to just put our faith in the Lord in all these things. And... We said, wow, 2020 is a difficult year. But yet in the midst of that, they said they're grateful that they're able to spend more time with one another. And he also shared that, but one thing remained. We continue to give to God our tithes and offerings. What he's saying is, you know, Pastor, as this year is about to end, it's November, you know, end of November 2020. I just want to share to you my testimony. He said, we just bought a new van for our business. My wife somehow has an open door to become a co-owner of a new restaurant. And he said that we're able to pay all our amortizations for our debts and our loans. And he said, we're getting ready to build a new house early 2021. I said, praise God. God is faithful. 
And I was really just so happy and celebrated with him. And I said, you know what? I really believe that because you have continued to honor God by putting him first, God is also honoring you by taking care of you. And you may not have the same story just like this particular member. You may not have a new business or you may not have a new house, but one thing remains. God is faithful. Amen. And He will take care of everything that we need. Amen. Be it the close of 2020 and even in the opening of 2021. We don't know when the vaccine will be out. We don't know if it will be available you know, for us. We don't know if everything will change at the dawn of you know, January 1st. But what we do know is God's going to make new things and new ways, new opportunities for us. He'll take care of us. God is faithful. Put Him first. Third thing as I come to an end is giving is not about how much. It's really about the status of our heart. Verse 43, it says, And He called His disciples. And He said, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all gave out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had to live on. You know, the penny or the mite or maybe the yen is not worthless. It is not worthless because Jesus does not look at the amount given in the offering. But normally what he's looking for is what's left behind. And God sees what man overlooks. You're not really sure if the people there saw the action of the widow, but yet God saw that. He saw the heart. He saw the action. He saw the motive. And there was a big commendation that he gave for that widow. If the amount of the money mattered to Jesus, then he would have commended all those who gave large amounts, but he did not. He actually gave those. You know I was trying to imagine if I was the pastor of that widow and that widow is about to give her final money to the offering, I probably would have said, you don't have to do it. Just keep the money to yourself. You need that to take care of yourself and your children. But you know, I realized that Jesus didn't stop the widow from giving to the offering. He allowed the widow to give the final money that she had. And commended her for that. You know, sometimes we don't think like Jesus. We think that, you know, you need that, so keep it. But yet, Jesus saw what's in the heart of that widow. that she wanted to give. You know, one time, my, one of my daughters received a, 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 quite a quite a sum of money. I forgot if it's her birthday or if it's Christmas. But after she received that amount of money, she told me, you know what, Dad? I felt like giving all of this away to my friend who's in need. And you know, my first reaction as a father was, take it easy. Maybe you need to pray about it first. Maybe, you know, you need to examine first, you know, what you need. Or maybe you, need, you have a need in your school. Or maybe you want something. But yet, I was kind of rebuked and corrected by the faith and the action of my, one of my daughters when she said, no, I'm deciding that I'm going to give it. We shouldn't stop people from giving if that is their faith in God. Amen. Now, I'm not saying that you come here to the front and you know, 
issue the final check that you have. That's what the Jesus is saying. That is not what I was saying. What I'm saying is, I want to ask a question this morning. Are you willing to give a blank check to God and trust Him with everything you have? Don't worry, we're not going to take your money. But it's hypothetical. Are we willing to give it all to Jesus? Are we? You know, sometimes when we give to the offering and when we make a mistake, we gave a few extra pesos para sabi natin, wow, I'm giving a little bit too much. More than the 10%. That's okay. God deserves it all. That's all God's anyway. God does not need any of our money since He owns everything. But what He wants to know is the real condition of our heart when we give. And there's no status connected to how much you give. You know, giving a lot is good if you have the means to do it, but it doesn't mean that your gift is better than others. When we give, we give because there's one who's looking and we want to please God and we want to honor Him. God looks at the heart when we give and not so much the amount we give. And we see this in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. It's a familiar verse. You probably noticed that in your offering envelope. You know, do not be reluctant. Each one must, you know, give as he decided in his heart to give. For God loves a cheerful giver. God always looks at the heart. And we see that in the chapters of 2 Corinthians, you know, 8 and 9, it's all about heart issues. It's all about the heart. If you remember the first uh, sermon that we had in this series, we talked about Cain and Abel, and God was pleased with Abel because of the heart that he had to give the firstborn to the Lord. It's all about heart. It's all about motives. Are we willing to give it all to Him and trust God with everything? You know, if God asks us to step out of the boat and walk on water, will we do it? Will we live on the edge and say, God, because you say so, I will obey and I will let down the net. Are you willing to serve him and give up life's comfort because he asked of you? You know, I want to give a quote from uh, Jim Elliott. He said, He is no fool who cannot keep, or he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. You know, he's one particular missionary who gave his life for the cause of the gospel. He went to Ecuador to be able to preach, he gave up everything for the sake of the call. And I'm not talking about you going to the mission field right now to leave everything. I'm talking about your heart. I'm talking about a willingness that when God asks us to do something, are we willing to say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes, Lord. It's heart issues. I hope that we will find an opportunity for us to be able to sacrifice. Maybe a few of us have donated something of value in exchange for a lifestyle of faith. and That is great. We're grateful for that. We're grateful for our generous members of this church. You know, we're grateful for the fact that you're supporting missions. We're grateful for the fact that you're supporting real-life scholars as well. 
We're grateful for the fact that you're giving your tithes and offerings so that we can actually continue on the work of the gospel. We're grateful for the fact that you are supporting missionaries abroad. We're grateful for that. But let's also check our hearts and our motives every time we give. It's not so that we can actually have the applause of men, but there's only one audience that we want to please, and that is the Lord Himself. My point is that let us have the same heart just like that poor widow. Because she sees things differently and she experienced things that maybe those who have much don't really experience daily. My question for us is, have you ever worried about what you will eat for today? Or is your worry about which choices of food you will have to eat during the day? That's a different kind of walk. But the widow don't even know if there will be food on the table that day. There's an utter dependence on God compared to maybe some of us who have quite a sum of money. Hypothetically speaking, if you respond to the Lord, for example, at that point of sacrifice, hypothetically, you gave everything that you have to the work of the gospel. You know what? We are still better off than that poor widow in the story. Because somehow we still have some things that we have. That poor widow had nothing. She gave it all. And there's one person who gave it all. His name is Jesus, who gave it all for us. And I believe that the reason why Jesus was so pleased with the heart of that widow is because that somehow reflected his heart that he was about to go to the cross and give his life for others, for all of us, so that we can be saved. Matthew 5, 3 talks about blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The poor widow probably knows about this. I would rather have kingdom out there than the kingdom here. You know, as I close this service this morning, I hope that we will have a greater appreciation of what we have all received from God. I hope that we will all be grateful as the end is about, the, the year is about to end. 2020 is about to close. And that we will actually go back and take stock and have an inventory of things and say, God, you have been good you have been great. And I pray that our heart would be open to God and say, God, I want to give back to you my life. We talked about this in Romans chapter 12. As a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, our Savior and Lord. We don't give because it is an obligation. We give because we love. I want to end with this quote from Charles Spurgeon. He said, But you are not under a system similar to that by which the Jews were obliged to pay tithes to the priests. If there was such any rule laid down in the gospel, it would destroy the beauty of spontaneous giving and take away the bloom from the fruit of your liberality. There is no law to tell me that I should give 
you know, what I should give to the father for his birthday. There is no rule laid down in any law book to decide what present a husband should give to his wife, nor what token of affection we should bestow upon others whom we love. No, the gift must be a free one or it has lost its sweetness. When we give to God, it's not because it's an obligation. It's not because the pastor said so. It's not, it's not because you know this is required. We give because we love God. The Bible says, because God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. The motive of giving is not a law. It's not a rule. It's not a command. It's love. I believe that as we close this service, the heart of the widow is a mere reflection of the heart of God when she gave it all. This is bow our heads right now as we come to a close. In fact, I want to invite everybody to stand with me. Father, thank you so much for our time today. Lord, I pray that you would give us hearts that are fully abandoned to you. Hearts that would trust. I want you all to, if you're here in the auditorium, why don't you lay your hand on your heart right now? Even if you are watching uh, on YouTube or Facebook, why don't you go ahead and just lay your heart, I mean your hand on your heart. Let's ask God. God will give us a new heart or give us a new heart, a fresh perspective. That you don't want to take anything from us. In fact, you want to give everything to us. But I thank you, Lord God, that you will find today a people who are willing to trust in you no matter what. A people who are abandoned. A people who are sacrificial. A people who are all out for the kingdom. A people who would trust their God who said, I will provide. Lord, I thank you that you will find in this place generous hearts who would look for opportunities to give. And I thank you, Lord God, that we ourselves would be able to experience miracles of multiplication of the things we give back to you. We thank you for this, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Make sure to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Feel free to share this message with your friends too. For more information about our church, visit our website at www.victoryalamang.church.